Nuclear. Now is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the Petruses have a new book. I hope you know this, actually, because I've mentioned it a couple of times already, and if you don't, then you haven't been listening to our other episodes. Go back and check those out after this one. Go ahead and listen to this one first. But the Petruses have a new book. Uh, Kathy and Ross, I'm going to let you tell us about it just real quick because it kind of leads us into what our topic is today. Tell us again about the new one that you've got out. Okay, the title is Awkward Moments, and it's spelled not awkward, but awkward as in words, which gives you a little clue. And it's a lively guide to the hundred terms smart people should know the key is should know because most of us have heard these terms have even used these terms but we kind of sort of aren't exactly sure what they actually mean and that's what we did we collected a hundred of the terms that like all of us smart types um throw around or read or hear and go what does that mean exactly or words that we think we know we know what they mean but we really don't because in a way the book started with a word which we're going to get into here, quantum, which we realized people really have no idea what it means. I, I walked around the University of Toronto campus asking people, just could you do me a favor and tell me the word quantum? What does it mean? And we got responses from big, tiny, and then my favorite, quantum means, well, like quantum, which I think sort of sums up our problem with a lot of these words. They kind of mean like, I don't really know. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and, and just jump off with that one. Quantum, that's the one I wanted to start with because you, you have mentioned it at least in passing before. I I mean, I can't tell you what quantum means. I know about quantum physics, which deals with very, very, very tiny, tiny, tiny particles. But then you have something like the phrase quantum leap, which seems to describe something very, very large. So I, I mean, I can't tell you what quantum means in, in what the definition of that word specifically is. Well, if truth be told, we couldn't either before we wrote the book. So I'm going to start with the easy part of quantum and then throw the hard part to Kathy. Quantum in Latin, <laughs> quantum in Latin means basic. It's very easy. It means how much. And it first came into English in the 1500s and it became to mean an amount of money. A quantum of damages is the amount of money awarded in a case. And then we also may know it from the James Bond film, Quantum of, Sil of Solace, which means amount of comfort. That's the easy part of quantum. Although I got to tell you, I never understood what the James Bond title meant. I got to tell you, I never did. I always thought, well, ah, you know. Okay, now, <laughs> this, is where, this is where I panic because I'm no scientist. Most of us do know quantum now, as you said, Fletcher, quantum, quantum mechanics or quantum physics. And it's, it's very baffling to those of us, and I include the three of us in that category, who really are, don't know science that well or physics. It came in the early 20th century, and instead, unlike classic physics, physics, it found that on a subatomic level, so you're talking about teeny, teeny, tiny, tiny things, things like light rays existed in quanta, discrete units, like numbers on a dial. They didn't blend into one another. They were like, a, it's a chunk here, a chunk here, a chunk there, a chunk there. And this is where it really gets mind blowing. They're both 
At the same time, they're both particles and waves. So you have these teeny, teeny, teeny things acting very different from what we always had thought. And that's where quantum jump, or which became quantum leap, came in. Everybody assumes a quantum leap is huge, or I always did. Uh, did you, Ross? I mean, I always thought like it, just like a huge leap. It doesn't. A quantum leap means... Um, it's a change of state. So in a sense, it's a large change in the sense that the state uh, changes. It's a quantum jump, but it's like an abrupt jump from one state to another. Yeah, because it's what I was talking about. You have pop particles and waves simultaneous like something is both particles and waves at the same time and you're jumping back and forth that's the quantum leap to put it in very very simplified lay people's things and so a quantum then in the in the quantum physical sense is the smallest the, the technical definition definition is the smallest discrete discrete quantity of energy involved in an interaction and that gets kind of technical i think the key takeaway point is a quantum leap isn't necessarily a big leap but it, it is a change of state. So maybe in a sense, you could say it's a major leap. Could you say that? I mean, I think that would be a... I think you could. But now my question is, is okay, so if we're saying this is the meaning, the technical meaning of quantum, why do we have things called quantum coffee? Why are there articles about unforgettable quantum sex, which I still haven't talked to Randy, my husband, about? Um, why all these quantum job? What is quantum job hunting? There was an article on quantum job hunting. Why is there quantum in there? I'm throwing this out rhetorically, but you can answer. What do you think? It sounds cool. That's it. That's, that's what I that's think what, too. I think that's the answer. Because I what I don't get it. I mean, like, I think it just sounds cool, and it, we associate it with modern. The QU words are just modern sounding words. I think it doesn't really have any meaning beyond that. Quantum coffee and coffee mean the same thing, except one is a name of a company and one isn't. The other realistic explanation is that everyone has nostalgia for what was my favorite TV show when I was 12 years old. Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap. Right, Quantum exactly. Leap, yes. So. <laughs> okay, well, we've got a, a number of other words or phrases here that, that you guys wanted to get to today. Interestingly, all starting with the letter Q, uh, which I like. A Q just seems kind of like this exotic letter to me that we don't really know how to use properly. And so whenever we end up with a word starting with Q, I get, I don't know, I get a little excited for some reason <laughs> I can't explain. But some of these other words that, that you've brought up, uh, we'll just we'll just move along to quixotic, which is a word that I've always liked. And for, I think, most of my life, I kind of misunderstood what it meant. And I'm, with, with all of these that we're going to get to, I'm still not positive I know what they mean. I, I know how I use them, and uh, I know how other people often use them, but that doesn't mean I'm sure about what they mean but but quixotic for most of my life I, I think I thought it meant kind of um, mercurial or maybe even chaotic but I thought about it more and, and the word quixotic q-u-i-x-o-t-i-c if I'm not mistaken comes from Don Quixote and so it's probably more like something that's uh, excessively um, fanciful or idealistic uh, something along those lines perfecto Okay, to good. Do it in bad Spanish. Yes, so, so I think I <laughs> yes, actually have cause... been using it wrong most of my life. But but when I when I sat down and thought about the word itself, that made more sense. 
Exactly. Because as you said, it comes from Don Quixote and Don Quixote was the, you know, the, the, the knight errant who tilted with uh, windmills and fell in love with a prostitute, Aldonsa, who he called Dulcinea, the princess, and he was going to save her. So yes, it's, 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 it's basically chasing after rainbows, if you will. It's excessively idealistic, uh, uh, excessively chivalrous and romantic in the, with the, in, the, in the old sense of the word. And here's an interesting little factoid, which is a word that we discuss in one of our books. The person who popularized the, the word in English was, interestingly enough, John Adams. I didn't know that until we wrote the book, that John, mm-hmm. John Adams, the president, pulled the quixotic into the English language in, in the States. Well, so the, the word Don Quixote came before the word quixotic, right? He wasn't named after no, uh, a qu- word like that. No, quixotic Correct. is named after Don Quixote. The word directly okay. came from from uh, Don Quixote, the, the, the novel. When did that start? When did people start using that? Uh, it started, apparently it's not as much Spanish as English, and it began, came in English in the early 1700s, I believe. Is that correct, Kathy? Yes, it is. Um, and the term itself, I mean, he was named Quixote, comes from a... Um, a piece of armor, isn't it? Yeah, thigh piece of I armor. Think, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, so it came from. So so you get like immediately the reader of Cervantes' book would know. You know, it's like it's kind of a play on things because it's like he's named after something that's knightly. Um, but yeah, it didn't come into England. It didn't get started using until the 1700s, and then it became huge. Actually, I would blame Manuel Mancha to some degree. Mm, I but love it's that not play pronounced was, the same I saw that as his when name. I was a kid. I love that play, Man of La Mancha. Oh, I, I can I, I, I can belt out the impossible dream like nobody. I can no too. Wants to hear it, so. <laughs> I'll, re- I'll restrain myself. I'll, I'll let you take us out with that later on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want to. <laughs> but the thing that fascinates me, just on, on a boring level, uh, uh, quixotic, even though it's it's comes from Quixote, is not pronounced Quixotic. It's pronounced quixotic. We pronounce the X in it. Um, and I think that's probably an example of, of like reading pronunciation. You read it, so you, you, you see the X and you think quixotic, and um, that's how it became. It's, it's not quixotic. No, and then the Spanish say uh, quixotesco or something like that, I believe. Quixotesco. That's yes. very good. <laughs> Kathy pronounces it much better than I do. <laughs> Jumping ahead then, we'll move to quintessential. And I know how... I've used this, but I've never looked the word up. Something, it's sort of like the epitome of something, or maybe the um, the plot, maybe not exactly the platonic ideal of something, but something. Uh, if it's the quintessential rom com, it's 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 something that you can point to that has all of the qualities that you expect from a romantic comedy. It defines that for you. Wow, Fletcher, I'm very impressed. Uh, so I'm, re- I'm I'm actually right. You're completely yeah, I correct. To you. I wish we had used his definition. I like his better than ours. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. It's exactly what it means. And it's interesting, though, that we did a little bit of on the background of it, and it's a really interesting thing. When you think about it, just think this out, Fletcher. I'm going to throw this at you since you've been getting everything correct. Maybe we can get you on something that you don't know. Oh, I'm sure you can go ahead what when you look at the word quintessential what do you think when you see the word in terms of like the origins of it uh gosh i mean i just look at you have to look at the word actually i think yeah you don't hear it as much as see it i'm looking yeah i am looking at it right here I don't know what you're getting at exactly. Okay, the quin part, the quint. quintet. Right. So five. Um. Yeah, quintet is five, and it's it with the essential part. We have five fifth essence. It basically means essential is essence. 
which is an odd thing to say the fifth what? Why is it the sixth essence or seventh essence or first essence? And that goes back to basically uh, ancient times. Aristotle had a theory that the universe was made up of five basic elements. I think we're vaguely familiar with that. Fire, earth, air, water. And then there was something else, the elusive fifth element, ether. And in Latin, elements were called essentia. And so the fifth element became like the big thing, the snazziest big thing in medieval times, which was, it's basically an immaterial essence, ether. Well, they said it was stardust, didn't they? That's yeah. better. That's perfect. I'm babbling on a castle. Which is another song I can sing now. We are stardust, <laughs> yes. but I won't. <laughs> Next song. It was stardust. Yeah, quintessence was stardust. Yes. The stardust, the essential inside thing. And we had alchemists who used to try to boil down metals, etc., they decided that gold was the quintessence of metals, and they tried to boil down other metals thinking gold would be found in it. And a, we noted a big thing came in the medieval times of gold drinks. If you drank powdered gold, you could live forever. They found out you didn't, you hurt your kidneys, but... One thing that I think is sort of cool is that quintessence, not used in the, in the figurative sense, like this is the quintessential rom-com or whatever, they now modern scientists are using quintessence to refer to dark energy. That, that has something to do with it. We're going back to quantum mechanics probably here. But um, so in a weird way, the old quintessence that was used by the medieval alchemists and stuff, we're starting to use that term in, in science again, but not to mean stardust. Or is it? <laughs> we don't really know. It <laughs> so is stardust in a way. <laughs> well, so since I got it right and, and it's the way that I've used it, but you guys seemed a little bit surprised. Tell me how you often hear people misusing this word. Well, usually it's it's not as much um, overtly misused as just ca overly casually used. In a sense, like that's the quintessential bagel. And, you know, you have like a quintessential bagel every day. In other words, they use it as sort of good, not as ideal it just kind of, be, kind of becomes it's kind of like of it becomes like most unique in a weird right. way right that's what you i know? was thinking i think yeah that's exactly what i was thinking once once ross said that and i, yeah. I think I, I recall i we don't have it in the book but i do recall several newspapers actually critiquing uh copy editors critiquing that usage by reporters saying look quintessence mm -hmm. means the ideal not just a great place so taking a word that yeah that ought to set something very far apart and making that thing more, can I say, quotidian? Ooh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the next word that we were ding, going ding, to talk ding, about. Wow. Now that's a seg. This <laughs> man's a pro. Okay, now quotidian, I have to confess, I never knew what this word meant. I never did. And that's why I'm glad we put it in the book because I had run across it so many times and I would just sort of ignore it. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> quotidian. So now I know what it is, but you obviously know what it means. Uh, more or less, it's something um, basic, mundane, sort of ordinary, everyday. Perfect. Correct. Yeah, it literally means everyday. I mean, quotidian from Latin, you know, but I don't like the word, though. I don't, I don't think it's necessary. Oh, thank you for saying that. I have a big problem with this because I ran into someone uh, a number of years ago who used this word in casual conversation. And, you know, we're all relatively intelligent people. That's fine. Like, I knew, I knew what she was saying, but... It instantly grated on me that she would use this word in casual conversation. I, I think you were right. <laughs> I think it's one of those words. Ross and I kind of talk about them a lot. The, 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 
we don't have a real name for it, but it's especially Latin words that they do. Where people think they sound like they just chuck them in to sound smarter than everybody else or to sound more erudite. I frankly think they end up just sounding more ridiculous and, and annoying. In the book, Kathy wrote, which I thought was really great, she found Quotidian in a travel and leisure article about, oh, yeah, in Kathy's words, that. your basic 109,000, 100,000 around the world private jet tour. And they use Quotidian in there. And she said, presumably, when you fly coach, you don't use that word. And I think it's correct. Well, what it was was the sentences um, in the Travel and Leisure article said, one of my favorite aspects of the TCS, this is the 109,000 around the world private jet tour experience, was the way all quotidian annoyances of travel were smoothly eliminated. And that's just like, get out. It's <laughs> like, get off that jet now, <laughs> mister. <laughs> I'm really, I, I find it really irritating. Yeah, I don't it's, think it's, it's like a good word. It's a fatty, that word. You know what I mean? Tell me where it comes from. What's what's the root of that? It came um, in in English. It it's came here in the, about the 14th century. And it came from the Latin, which Ross is going to probably explain better than I, meaning quote, quotidianus. How do you pronounce that? Yeah, quotidianus. Yes. And it, it was used in Latin, tended to mean medical, was used more medically. It referred to um, fevers or other ailments that recurred every 24 hours. Right. And that's how oh. it came into English. First, it, it had like sort of a medical meaning, and then it, it transferred into a general meaning as well. But again, though, I don't see any need for it. I mean, it's fine for doctors in the old days who used to use Latin all the time to describe things. And I think even... To, until fairly recently, but now you don't really need the word. The thing that got me, though, is when we did it, um, I looked up uh, Quotidian on that Google Engram reader, and that tracks uh, the usage of words in books, in published books. And then there's the Corpus of Contemporary American English, which tracks usage in uh, magazine articles. And then there's the iWeb Corpus, which uh, tracks words used online on websites. And in all three of them, Quotidian is on an upswing. So this sort of like highfalutin, fancy fancy, hotsy totsy uh, language is becoming more and more common. I could I could argue that it's becoming more quotidian actually then, but I won't. Mm, don't like it. <laughs> I don't either. Isn't there a chain though? Uh, what is it, Le Pain Quotidien? I think there is. Le Pain Quotidien. Yes, it's a it's a simple, elegant boulangerie fare made with organic ingredients whenever possible, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Its headquarters is in the low, in New York, New York, and it was founded in 1990 in Brussels. So it, it basically has the... In French, you can use it because it's French is much more Latin-based than English, and it's sort of a more Latin, natural word in English, in uh, French, than it is in English. Yeah, I seem to remember seeing some in, yeah, New York, maybe D.C. Yeah, it's all over. It's all over the states. It's all over the East Coast, at least, it seems. And, and the East Coast, obviously, is very powerful when it comes to language. So I wonder if that chain is bringing the word a little bit back into our language. That could be, because in French, I mean, it means daily. You know, you would use it like a journal, you know, a, a journal that's a quotidien is a daily journal. A daily walk is promenade quotidien, you know, so it's not like a... It's not an uncommon word in French at all. But see, well, that's fine because it's not uncommon. I mean, daily, like, every day. Yeah. Well, it really means daily in French, not as much every day as daily in that sense. Well, I wouldn't object to it then in French. I just object to it when it's shoved into like a nice, simple English sentence. Yeah, we're all we're all on the same page with that one. 
All right, we will end with appropriately this phrase uh, or set of letters. I guess it's kind of a phrase, but it usually comes at the end of something. This is QED. And for a very long time, I was very frustrated by this because I would see it often and not understand what people were doing with it, what it was supposed to mean. It seemed obnoxious. And so I finally looked it up and Ross, you're, you can correct me on this pronunciation, and, and I'm not looking at it right now, so I'm hoping I'm getting these words remotely correct. But the QED stands for some, uh, a few Latin words. I think something like quad erat demonstratum. That's pretty good, Fletcher. Yeah, that's that's exactly, that's pretty much it. Quod erat demonstratum. It means that which was to be demonstrated in Latin. Right. So, like, what I've, I've just demonstrated my point. Yes, you have. QED. Done. I first heard the word when I was in um, high school geometry, and Miss Bell, our teacher, put QED after a Euclidean proof. And actually, that's where it comes from. It comes from the Greeks, who had a different word meaning QED. Kathy, do you want to go there? It, well, it, all it is is, I, I hate talking about proofs. I got a D in logic in college, <laughs> so I have like this immediate, I get tested when I think about proofs, but, and a D was lucky I got it, but um, when he would write a proof, you would go through all the logical steps, and he would conclude with, you know, the conclusion, which was the phrase in Greek, I can't pronounce it for the life of me, but it was translated into Latin um, as quad uh, erat demonstratum, and then as typical Latins, they liked, uh, you know, abbreviating everything was abbreviated as QED. So that basically said, voila, here it is. I did it. You know, it's done. Take that, if you will. And Kathy knows, we, we went to the Google Ngram viewer to see how the use of the term was. And it, it is interesting because it seemed to have peaked in the mid 1800s and then back again in the 1950s, which I think probably, I don't know why that would be, maybe because a lot of science was so big then. And then it slipped back down again. And now we seem to think it seems to be coming back a lot now. So we're wondering, like, what's going on with it? We cannot figure out why it's coming back. It's a cool word. I think a lot of people like using cool-sounding Latin terms or phrases, and maybe that's why it's back in the, in the vernacular again. I can tell you another reason is the reason that I ultimately found it so obnoxious it's because there are so many people arguing about things on the internet and they want that was what that was us i agree wow, that yes. was my point and through my life as i found it so obnoxious i i've realized it was because people were were making points obnoxiously and being arrogant about it and um and that's of course what people do all day every day on the internet and so i i am i'd be very confident that's why it's coming back in is because people are arguing and and deciding you, to, you know i've made my point yes it's like saying snap you know it really is i think you know i it it and i i the one thing that fascinated me was when we were looking it up i found it often like after like the most horrible arguments the most ridiculous stupid badly worded arguments someone would slap a qed on and you felt like going like look you, you still you can't speak this did not make your point you know <laughs> But they seem to think it makes it a little better. Kathy, it says QED. <laughs> yeah, right. Really. <laughs> this episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at powell at kmuw.org. 
And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really do help us a lot. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. And also be sure to check out Kathy and Ross's newest book, Awkward Moments. That's words, like what we're talking about. W-O-R-D-S, Awkward Moments. And of course, Kathy and Ross have written a lot more, and they're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.